0: How many of you guys, how many of you guys know who Moses is? You guys have heard of Moses before? Moses is a pretty cool guy, isn't he? What did he he do? He what? He led the Israelites, and where did he lead them? He led them from Egypt to The promised land that God had promised to give to the Israelites. But what did they have to walk through to get to that promised land? The desert. Have you guys ever seen either a picture of a desert or been in a desert before? I used to live in an area where I had to drive through a desert area. Do you know how scary it is? There's no trees. There's no grass. Well, sometimes there's grass, but it's brown. And there's cactus, but there's no trees. It's hard to get shade when you're hot, and and it's just, it's bad. And then when I was driving one time, there was a sand, a windstorm that came up, and the sand was blowing, and I had to stop my car right in the middle of the road and just sit there and wait until the sand stopped, because I couldn't even see the front of my car, let alone anything that was ahead of me. The desert can be a very scary place. Now, think about this. When you guys leave your house to go to the store, or maybe you're going to go to Pioneer Park, or maybe maybe you're going to go on a picnic somewhere, do you guys bring stuff with you to eat when you go out like on a picnic? And you... Do you have, like, maybe a little water bottle that you put your water in? And maybe your mom puts, everyone gets a lunch sack, or maybe you put it all in one big basket, and everyone, when you get there, you eat the food that your mom brought, right? Yeah. So what kind of food did you guys eat when you were there? When you went on a picnic? Like sandwiches? Or fried chicken, fried chicken sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like fried
1: chicken. <laughs> But like sandwiches, or fruit,
0: or a turkey, or... So you know what? When you're in the desert, there's no buildings, there's no trees, there's no grass, there's no fruit trees that you can pluck fruit off of, there's no food growing in the desert. You have to carry everything with you, okay? Just like you're going on a picnic. Well, guess what? When Moses was leading the Israelites to the promised land, do you know how many people... We're in the group that was going there? Over a million. More people than live in all of Fairbanks. Can you imagine everyone in Fairbanks listening to me, going, okay everybody, come on! Let's go! And they're all walking behind me, and all of a sudden I start going, I'm hungry. Where are we going to stop at McDonald's? (laughs) There isn't any McDonald's. We're in the desert. Well, what are we going to do in McDonald's? frozen water, God sent bread down from heaven? That's weird. But you know what God did? This is how God did it. He let the moisture from the air come down and it settled on the ground in the desert. And when it dried, there was little seeds all over the sand. They said it looked like coriander seed. I don't know what coriander seed looks like. I think of a sesame seed. You know, like they have on a hamburger bun, those little white seeds that are on top of a hamburger bun. And I think that what they did, it says in the Bible, that God said every morning, the Israelites are supposed to go out into the desert, and they're supposed to take this seed that I'm giving you, and they're supposed to take it back, and then they can cook it. They can make it into bread, they can make it into soup, they can make it into stew, they can make it into porridge, they can make it into muffins, whatever they want. And every single morning, I promise you, there'll be enough for them. They only have to take enough for one day. Well, the Israelites were selfish people and they didn't believe God. And so they went and got two buckets of this seed because they didn't trust that there would be more the next day. And they made their food for today, and then in the morning when they went to go get the other seed out of the bucket so they could make more food. It says in the Bible that they were that, that seed in the bucket that they'd saved for the next day was filled with worms and it was moldy and it was all bubbly and gross, so they had to throw it out. And God got angry. He said, Don't you trust me? Don't you believe that I can do this for you? So every day you go out and you get only what you need for today. But on the sixth day. I want you to get out for two days. Because on the seventh day, you have to rest. So you don't go out and get any food on that day. And then, that's what the Israelites did for 40 years. And you know what they called this little seed stuff that came out of the sky and landed on the ground? You know what they called it? They called it, what is this stuff? That's what they called it. Isn't that crazy? They said, what is this stuff? And that's what they named it. What is this stuff? In Hebrew, it means, it's called manna. Mama. But mama means, what is it? Isn't that crazy? So, I'm going to make you some, what is it, muffins? Or I'm going to make you some, what is it, bread? Or I'm going to make you some, what is it, porridge? What is it, mom? It's the seed that God gave us every morning. Remember, you went out and got it this morning? Oh, yeah. That's how God fed over a million people for 40 years every single day to make sure that they had enough food so they really start. If God can make bread come out of the sky, He can take care of anything that you have. And that's what the Bible says. We can trust Him for anything. He knows what we need and He can provide it. He may only provide just enough for today, but He will make sure you have what you need. Let me pray with you, guys. Jesus, thank you for this story because it tells me tells me that I can believe you and trust you when you tell me something. And I can depend on you for my needs. And God, I ask that you would help these kids to come to understand that too. And, and God even showed it to them even now in their life, in their early life. Help them to learn to depend on you and to trust you. That you will take care of them every single day. Lord, I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, go ahead and go on out. Next time, look for some of the, what is it? Hey, maybe you'll find some. I don't know. You know I
1: want some. What is the bread? I want
0: some. What is the bread? All right, Jamie. Now you have to kill the story. <laughs> Just don't make it kill. Well, you have had it experience front of you all morning long. The verse we're going to be looking at, John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said to the followers that were there with him, I am the bread of life. And I want to tell you a story before we start looking at this passage of scripture. Um, When I was uh, a young military member, uh, my wife and I um, had been married since 1980. And our first child was born in 1984, excuse me, 82. And then in 1984, when our child was just shy of being two years old, we moved to the Republic of the Philippines, and so we were there for three years. And those people are incredibly gracious and loving, and we were the only white family in that church for years. Mm-hmm. Now, towards the end of our time in the Philippines, there were more military families that started coming to the Nazarene church there in the City. But for the better part of two years, Renee and I and our daughter Robin well, we were the only ones. And they were gracious and they loved about us and there was this one family that just treated us well and took us into their home and had us over for meals all the time and we had a great time. So we wanted to reciprocate. My wife is a great And she's got a great gift of hospitality. And so we invited some of the teens and the younger boy from that family into our home for a meal one night. So I think it was three girls, three of the teenage girls, and then the boy. He was like maybe nine years old or ten years old. Now, the Filipino people are very, very, very gracious. And they're very concerned in never causing you to lose space. Have you heard that expression? They don't want you to be embarrassed. They don't want you to be humiliated. So they will never challenge you if you do something socially inappropriate because that would cause you to lose space. But that doesn't mean that they're not bothered by what you do, or they're not offended, or they're not puzzled by what you do, but they would never challenge you why. So I'm going to share with you how my wife offended these three kids in our house when we invited them for dinner. It's a simple, simple, but wow, we just didn't think about it. My wife made meatloaf. I love my wife's meatloaf. <laughs> and when we serve meatloaf in my house, she makes homemade, mashed up with the peels and everything, mashed potatoes. And then we put butter all over that. And then sometimes we of green vegetable or a salad or something. Maybe even a salad and a green vegetable. But that's our dinner. So it's a couple slices of meatloaf and the mashed potatoes and a vegetable and maybe a salad. Mm, comfort food. Love it. Love it. And I happened to notice as we were getting ready to eat that the little nine-year-old... Now, nine-year-old kids, they don't have filters. <laughs> now, they didn't confront my wife, but he did turn to his sisters and say, in Tagalog. Now, we didn't at that time understand any Tagalog. And so, I said to one of the sisters, what did, what did he say? And she went, oh... Nothing? Ow! Oh. I said, no, really, what, what did he say? He wants to know why there's no rice. Oh. Why there's no rice? Because you see, in their culture, every single meal is rice. Every meal. In our culture, potatoes and bread. In their culture, rice. And so, it is a, there's this, this almost universal, worldwide thing about having bread, or starch, or some kind of carb at your meal. Whether it's rice, or bread, or wheat, or whatever. So, and and universally, you can go around any place in Europe, especially, but any place in Europe, or the United States, or Canada, and I guarantee you, there will be bread on that table during your meal. It's just part of what we do as, as a culture. Now, in the Middle East, they do have bread, but it's not the same like we have. Okay? It's not normally, you know, sliced wonder bread that's all soft and, and you you slather on some butter and some jelly and eat it really nice. They have more of the non bread or the Breads and sometimes they will rise up, but sometimes they are unleavened breads, and so their breads are different from ours. So when I was talking to the kids about the muffins and the, and the you know that kind, that, that's not a Middle Eastern thing as much as it is an American or, or a Western culture thing. But Jesus did specifically say to a Hebrew mind, a Middle East mindset, he said, "I am the bread of life." And that had to have this very deep, rich meaning for them. Or he wouldn't have used it. There could be something that they could relate to. So I want you to try and divorce yourself from our light, fluffy, wonder bread thing. And look at, from a Middle Eastern perspective, what was Jesus saying? Unfortunately, when you get graphics that other people create, every time I looked at graphics for the I Am the Bread of Life, they either wanted to give me the, the, the chalice and the Eucharist, the, you know, the wafer, or they wanted to give you these big loaves, to, you know, farm fresh, harvest loaves that you get at the farmer's market. Or and, and there really wasn't a whole lot from the idea of a flatbread or a, a naan or anything like that. But what was Jesus saying to these people? So if, if you could bring yourself into that mindset, if you were hearing Jesus for the very first time, and he said to you, I am the bread. do you think he was trying to communicate? You don't have to say it out loud, but just think about it. What do you think Jesus was trying to communicate? This comes out of John chapter 6. We're staying pretty much in John chapter 6 for the entire time. Um, If you go to the beginning of John chapter 6, the story of Jesus' feeding of the five thousand he's found there. and then at the end of that uh, session, Jesus then disperses the crowd, tells these disciples to gather up the leavings from that miracle. Twelve baskets are gathered, and then um, Jesus sends his disciples off in a boat. He sends the crowd away. Jesus goes up in a quiet place to pray, and then he goes out about three o'clock in the morning, and he walks on the water. And as we know, Jesus calls Peter to come to him, and Peter comes out and locks on the water, then they get out of the boat, and then the next day, this is verse 22 of chapter 6, the next day the crowd that had remained on the other side of the sea saw that there were only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with the disciples, and that the disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread, after the Lord had given thanks. So, when the crowd saw that Jesus wasn't there, nor his disciples, they got themselves into the boats and they went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Now, I don't think it was all 5,000. Might have been. But it was a large crowd of people that were following Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, how did you get here? And Jesus said to them, Truly, (laughs) truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs but because you ate your fill. And you want more. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him, God the Father has set His seal. And then the crowd said, well, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He sent So they said to him, Well then, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And what they were saying there was, You want us to follow you? You want us to put our hope and our trust in you? Well, the people of Israel followed Moses, and Moses gave them Coriander seed, manna, what is it? Every single day for 40 years. What are you offering, Jesus? And Jesus said to them, Truly, I say to you, it wasn't Moses (laughs) who gave that bread. It was my Father who gave you the true bread from heaven. Who's giving you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, hear this, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, well, Sir, give us this bread always. See, they're still stuck in this. I'm hungry, you can feed me, I'm going to follow you, because this is easy food. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And I said, but I said to you, that you have seen me and yet don't believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but, to, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose, excuse me, that I should lose nothing, of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and will raise him up on the last day. And they get into, we can continue reading it, they get into arguing now, well, how can he be this guy that's come down from heaven? We know where he came from. He came from that. We know his mom. We know his dad. What kind of this, he came down from heaven? What is this? And there's all of this disgruntled garbage going on in the crowd. And the whole time Jesus is going, mm, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. That's, that's the challenge that we're dealing with right now. Is God is opening up to you incredible opportunity. Do you understand that you have the hope of eternal life being given to you? if you will simply accept it and receive it, I am the bread of life. I am what will sustain you. I am what will be that spiritual nourishment for you, if you will. I am the staple around which everything else can be built in your spiritual meals. And you will just come to me in me. Follow me. Now, Jesus later on <coughs> says that no one can come to the Father except that the Father draws them. If you go to Matthew, I mean, John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, there's some things there that we need to hear and understand. Number one, only only, a person can only come to God if God is drawing. Okay? You can't come to God in your own time. You can't make the decision, well, I don't want to do it now, but I'll come back later. Because the door may not be open Not saying that God doesn't want you, but how arrogant of you. God says, I offer to you a gift. And you go, ah, not now, basically. I'm offering to you a gift. I understand, and I'll come back in a little while, but not right now. It's not convenient right now. I'm offering you a gift. Yeah, I understand. It's a gift. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. And give me a little bit. I'll come back. Okay, and then you go. Oh God, God, I just found out I have cancer. Oh God, God, God. Now, does that mean God doesn't want you? No. But you don't have the luxury of coming to God anytime you choose. You come when God calls. Now, I'm not saying that the offer is never going to be offered to you again, but I'm just saying you cannot be flippant. When you sense the Holy Spirit of God drawing you and living, that is the moment. If you look in Corinthians, it says, now is the day of salvation. It's not something to say later on, I'll come to this. I can tell you. Years ago, when I was a a young, young, young man and a young Christian, I truly said to God, listen, I know that you're true, I know that the gospel's real, I know that all of this is exactly what I need for my life, but right now it's just not convenient, and so I'm just going to set it to the side, and I'll come back to you later. I literally said that to God. And less than an hour later, a person who's never said it to me be before and has never said it to me since, but she did, right then, say to me, Hey Christian, Bob, how is God treating you? God said, see, I, I need you now, not just at the end of your life, Bob. And you can't bank on, well, as long as by the time I'm 65 I turn my heart over to Christ, then I can spend the last three to five years of my life knowing that I'm good. But I can live my life however I want prior to that. That That's not how it works. When the ticket is offered, you take the ticket. You can't expect it to always be there. That's number one. God offers, you have to respond to God's offer. Number two, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That sounds very, very, very narrow. doesn't work for me to come and come to church on Sunday morning. Why can't I just come to God in my own way? I can walk through the woods and know God and love God. Maybe. I'm not saying you have to come to a church on Sunday morning. To, no, But you have to go to Jesus. You can't choose Buddha or Krishna or Muhammad or any of the other things out there. Wicca. All of those things are five real Theologies and religion, fra- religious practices, but they are leading you to death. The only one that leads to true God is Jesus and the gospel. And you don't have to like those words and you don't have to accept those words. If you don't want to, don't. But that's the only way you get in. It's the only way. And those words, when you say that to somebody in today's culture, they get all. And judgmental, and how can you be someone kind and loving? But the reality is, I didn't make the rules up. This is what the Word of God clearly says, from start to finish. God says, I have a way for you to live. Here it is. I have made a way for you to come to me. Here it is. I have made it possible for you to have everything you've ever done wrong fixed. Here it is. I have made it possible for my power and my presence to be with you every single day of your life the life that I want you to live. Here it is. Oh, well, that doesn't work for me. Sorry. I, I got to go with this one because this makes me feel really good. Okay. See you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, obviously I'm speaking to the wrong crowd because you are all Christians. You wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning at this hour if you weren't. Either that or you're just
1: crazy. And I'm not trying to be unkind, But seriously, why don't you
0: get up so early on a Sunday morning and you're not following the Lord? But when we go out there to talk to people and we say, Jesus said I am the bread of life. What does that mean? Because you wear that on on a t-shirt. I am the bread of life, says Jesus. And somebody comes up to you and goes, I have no frame of reference. That means nothing to me. Because if you say, Jesus loves you, they can get that. You see, Jesus is my hope. I, I can get that. But Jesus is the bread of life. What? Well, you can point back to the story of manna and the what is it, learning to depend on God every single day for what you need for that day, having the ability to trust that every day it will be provided for you. That's a really cool way to understand Jesus is the bread of life, because for me to live my life in a way that is pleasing to God, but also is sustainable for me, is to day by day trust in God and believe in Him. Now... Does that mean I have to read the Bible every day? No, but it's helpful. Does it mean I have to pray every single day? No, but it sure helps. Because the more that you do those spiritual practices, the more intimate your relationship with God becomes. And for lack of, without getting too far into the metaphor, um, I can taste this bread or this bread or this bread or this bread. This is really good, and I really enjoy it, but if I never try it, I'll never you know. Can I mean?
1: There may be a way that God
0: communicates to you in a way like, like walking through the woods that you would never experience if you weren't following, trying to live a life with God and for God.
1: And so, what you do is
0: there are many, many, many spiritual practices with the intent of focusing your attention and your heart on God. And, and if, if, if you like it, it's literally saying, I'm going to take in Jesus today through the reading of the Word, through spending time worshiping and praying, through enjoying the beauty of nature, because the book of Romans tells us that if you can look out at nature, you can see God's attributes, His eternal power. You can see it. God speaks to you through it.
1: So there are many ways where you come
0: to God, but there's only one way to get to God and that's through Jesus the bread of life so and then the other thing that's on this in, in verse 35 he also says anyone who eats this bread or drinks will never hunger or thirst again and that's something the crowd wasn't getting because they were focused on the temporal. you made a lot of bread out of those two little fish and a lot of food out of those two little fish and those five loaves actually, you actually do it again we're hungry and Jesus says, no, no, you don't get it, you don't get it. If you will take me in, what's going to end up happening is you're going to find such satisfaction and such, such rest for yourself. And you're going to be at peace in a way that you could never understand before. But you have to intentionally take me into your life. You have to. If you don't, you're never going to get it. And there's only one way.
1: And you know what's really sad
0: is if you read further on in this, literally, they thought I was talking about cannibalism. If you look at some of the early history of the Christian Church, we were we were we were uh, accused of. Eating a human body during our worship time. Literally, that's because we said we're eating the flesh, the blood of we're eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Christ. Oh, you do that at church? Well yeah. Ew, that's disgusting. Because they have no reference. We know what we're talking about, but they don't. And literally, if you read this, the latter part of this. Most, if not, well, not all, because 12 of them at least state, but most of the disciples that were following, we're talking hundreds of people, walked away at this point. This is the critical point in Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of John. Prior to that, it's all parties, he's turning water into wine, he's having miracles, he's walking on water, this is the so cool, and then he says, let's get serious. Oh, I can't. You're being too narrow. No, no, this is eat your body, drink your blood. That's disgusting. No, and they literally walked away from it. And so that's the challenge that each one of us face when we're trying to share our, our gospel, because it's really easy for you to say, God loves you. And he has a wonderful plan for your life. And if you will just pray this prayer, you will have a wonderful relationship with God. But when, it, when you're asked to truly get serious about taking in every day eating the bread of life if you will it is not just simply praying a prayer and asking God to forgive your sins it is literally God saying are you willing to give me your everything are you willing to submit everything to me if I ask you for it will you give up your house if I ask you for it, will you empty your bank account and give it to the one I tell you to give it to? Whatever. You wouldn't ask me to do that, God. Well, I don't know that I would or I wouldn't, but would you if I asked you to? Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we have, we have to talk about. It. Because when we say I want to honor God with my life, you have to go through Jesus. And Jesus' teaching was love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul your mind and your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So what that says is if God says I want it all then you have to give it to God. Including your car or your house or your bank account. Remember the, the, the story uh, I mean, the, the teaching of Jesus in the gospel where he said if someone asks you to walk a mile carrying their back going on the second mile. if someone asks you to for a cloak, give them also your tunic. If someone slaps you on the face, turn and give them the other cheek as well. Live a life that is sacrificial. Where are you in your in this, in this walk with God right now? Do you, obviously you, you have a faith because you're a as we said, but have you reached the point where you're literally chewing on this and living this on a daily basis? Because what I, what I see with this bread of life idea with Jesus is that when you bring Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit comes in, and the Holy Spirit then begins to go through all the drawers, all the cupboards, lifting up the dressing scarves and saying, What's under there? Can we go look at this and go like, ah, this is mine. No, don't go there. Well, why not? Ah, so I don't see you don't need to know about. Well, I do know about it. Can we deal with this? Because when you enter into this relationship, it's not just initial stuff, but there's deep, rich fellowship that, that requires God having access to all the areas of your life. But it starts with this idea that it's foundational. It starts with the idea that in order for you to have a satisfying life, you have to have Jesus on the plate. If you other stuff, but Jesus has to be there. Oh, you don't have life. You don't. You won't. It's just the way it is. So let's pray. Father, help us to learn to communicate this truth. That you are the foundation to everything else. Without you isn't anything else that's lasting. And help us to communicate that in a way that makes sense and is powerful to somebody else. Empower us through your Holy Spirit. Guide us, Lord, as we speak these truths. But help us to be intentional about it. And help us to continually walk closer closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to you where the portion on the plate that's Jesus gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where maybe that's all we need. We don't need anything. And we're going to leave everything outside. Whatever you ask about, it's yours. Father God, help us. Help us to live that way. Help us never to turn away and say, No, I can't do this. Let us continue to say to you, Yes, and yes.